Good morning. If you have your Bibles, find your place in the book of Hebrews. And may the Lord bless you if you're a guest with us today. I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you. And we pray that you would have a wonderful Thanksgiving week and celebration with your family and friends. And we're glad you're here. Those of you joining us online, may the Lord bless you. We're always glad to have you. And it's a special time as we come to this time of year. We're talking as a church these days about what it means to hope in God. What does it look like to hope in God? And I've been choosing to give my personal testimony as one way of doing that. Peter reminds believers that we are to be ready to give an account to anyone who asks us about the hope that is in us with reverence and godliness. And I hope that you're doing that as you have the opportunity to be around people who are not born again, who, who are not believers in Jesus Christ, and that you can experience the opportunity, the joy of sharing your hope in Jesus Christ. We come now to Hebrews, and the uh, book of Hebrews teaches us and focuses so many things upon the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is greater than all of these things that have come before. And uh, so today we honor Him and we praise Him for that. I'm going to read several verses to you, but our focus will be primarily Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. But let's begin reading in verse number 9. Paul is reminding these believers that there are, there are uh, things that, that occupy, there are things that accompany salvation. We can know that we're saved. There's fruit in our life that demonstrates that we are born again, that we know Jesus Christ. And one of those has to do with having hope in God. I've mentioned it to you before. As we get started, this section has a lot to say about the hope that we have in God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only hopeful people in the world are those who are saved because it is a grace given to us as a result of being saved. Let's read together Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse number 9. Beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation. Though we are speaking in this way, he's referring back to the things he talked about in verses one through eight of this chapter about those who may have had religious experiences, but they're not really saved. They leave, they fall back, they go away from the things that they've heard because they're not real and genuine in their life. There are two kinds of people, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved and those who are not. And religious people can be lost people, just the same. For God is not unjust. Please read these words and take them in. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward His name. I remind you of that today. Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, First Baptist Church. God is not unjust. He does not forgive. He does not forget your work and the love which you have shown in his name, in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. Verse 11, and we desire that each of you show the same diligence, and this next phrase is very important, so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. So that to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, 
I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, this is verse 15, having patiently waited, Abraham believed, obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. Now, especially hear these words, beginning in verse 17. In the same way, God desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise, that's you who are believers in Jesus Christ. God desiring even more, even more God desired to show the heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness of His purpose interposed with an oath. Verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things, that is God's promise and then God's oath on His promise, by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge, who have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that is set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. And may the Holy Spirit of God now take the word of God and apply it to us as we have confessed our sin. And we come now ready to receive what you have for us from the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So my testimony today continues in this way. And I'm unashamed to say these things to you. I would say them to anyone I would say them in any circumstance of my life. I hope in God because Jesus Christ, my high priest, is alive in heaven. I say those things regardless of what the world may think, whether they laugh, whether they frown, whether they mock, whether they persecute. It does not matter what the world thinks. Or it does not matter what the world says or the world system. I say these things to you and I declare my testimony to you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, even before I say it as your pastor, I hope in God because Jesus Christ, my high priest, is alive in heaven. Now, what have we said already? Well, I've already given you this as a part of my testimony. I, ho I have hope in God because I've been born again. Something has changed down inside of me. I don't think the way I used to think when I was not a Christian. I don't have the same values I used to have when I was not a Christian. I have desires for spiritual things and a walk with God, though I fail so miserably. I want to, I want to know God. I want to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in Him, though I've not seen Him. I have received and believed the promises of God in His Word. I'm born again. I hope in God, secondly, because of the trials in my life. I hope in God not to avoid trials. I hope in God because of my trials. It is through my trials that I learn how to put my faith in God and hope rises in the midst of the greatest trials that come in life. I hope in God because of God's promises. This, these gospel promises given to us as believers in Jesus Christ coming from the Lord and then 
those, those promises expanded by the apostles. I hope in God because I'm born again. I hope in God because of my trials. I hope in God because of the promises of God's word. That's what I hang on to. That's the promises that last. That's the promises that I need for all of life. And I hope in God because of his blessed written word I have before me. I can carry it with me. I can open it day and night. I can read from the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelation these blessed words as the Lord said, as the apostles said. As the prophet said, it is written. It is written so that you might have hope. Pick up your Bible and read it. As you read the Word of God, as the Word of God comes to be a part of your mind, it will affect you and change your values and your desires. And today, I am confident of this very fact that my high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is alive in heaven and because of that, I have hope regardless of what the future may be, regardless of what I might face, regardless of the trials and troubles that may come, regardless of whether it's happiness or sadness, regardless of whether it's sickness or health, I have a high priest who is alive. We sang praise to him today already. He is living in heaven and that is what we have as our confident assurance. That's what Paul means here, if I can take you back for just a moment, to verse number 11. That we are to realize. See, this is my burden for all of you, my dear brothers and sisters. This is my burden for you as your pastor. This is my burden for you young ones and you old ones and everybody in the middle. It is that you might realize. I love the language of this in verse 11 that you might realize the full assurance of hope until the end. That's why you hope in God. The full assurance that comes in trusting Jesus Christ, in trusting the Word of God, and experiencing the joy of living in the reality of the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. Do you today have Full assurance of hope? Well, you see, as a follower of Jesus, you must realize the full assurance of hope that you have. And notice what it says in verse 11, until the end. You see, hope is about the future. Hope is about what you don't see today. You might be a very smart person here and you think you've got it all figured out, but you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You really don't, with all due respect. You really don't know what's going to happen in your life tomorrow, the rest of today, nor do I. Until the end. You see, you have a life. You're living. And you have so many days that God's given you. And one day you will face death. You may face it as a young person. You may face it in middle age. You may face it at, at old age. There is an end coming to your life. And what you have chosen to do in your relationship with Jesus Christ or without Jesus Christ will determine what happens to you at the end of life in this world. That's why it talks about full assurance of hope until the end. Hope stays with you. Hope in God stays with you all the way to the end. He says something interesting about hope on down the page there in verse number 18. He talks about how we who have believed in Jesus Christ, have taken refuge. And we have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. You see, there are things coming 
that should bring joy to our hearts and lives. Beyond this world, beyond any of the joys and happiness of these days, there is the glory of heaven. There is the glory of eternal life. There is the, there is the magnificence of living in the pleasures of God forever. Whatever that may be to us, we do not and cannot imagine it. We can only simply try to understand what the Word of God says. Hope is all about expectantly looking forward to better days to come beyond this world when we spend our eternity with the Lord Jesus, our Savior, who is alive today. That's why I want you to think about today and ask yourself this very hard question. Do you have full assurance of hope? Do you have full assurance of hope? And then ask yourself, then why do you not hope? If you answer it because I'm really not a Christian, then you've gotten to the truth. Because you see, the hopeless are the lost. They are without God and they are without hope in this world. And you can go to church and be a hopeless person if you're not born again and saved. I have three observations from verse 18, 19, and 20. Number one, I hope in God. This is my testimony. I'm just expanding on it. These are my words to you. I'm standing to give you my testimony. And I'm basing it on these words. This is what I believe. This is what I believe. And I will stand and declare it unashamedly to anybody, regardless of their intimidation or their mockery or their ridicule. I hope in God today because He has given His unchangeable promises and oath Regarding my salvation. If God says it, as the old song said it, that settles it. That's it. It's based not only, not only is my salvation based on the promises of God, but on God's oath. Let's look at this for just a moment. Uh, Paul gives us the example of Abraham. Abraham was made a promise by God and he swore by himself in verse number 13. And then he, here's the promise, verse 14. I'm looking at uh, Hebrews 6, 14. Notice the oath and the promise together. I will surely, there's the oath. I will surely. I guarantee it. I will surely. That's the oath. I will surely bless you. There's the promise. I will. I will. I will. That's the oath. I will. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you, Abraham. Which was an amazing, incredible statement. And what did Abraham do? Well, we read, and so, having patiently waited. You see, that's what hope does. We now have the promises of God for the Lord Jesus to come again. We have the promises of God that He will help us in the struggles and difficulties of life as we seek to live for Him. We have the prom gospel promises. All these glorious gospel promises have been given to us and now we wait patiently. We wait patiently, verse 15. So He waited patiently and obtained the promise. You see, these words become very important for us because... All of us in this room, in this world, we, we seek to trust people based on their promises. It doesn't work out very well, does it? We break our promises and other people break their promises to us. So where do we go for, for hope, which is, what is hope? What is biblical hope? It is assured expectation. It's confident, assured expectation that what God says, 
He will do. That includes being saved. That includes making you more like Jesus Christ and making you holy. That includes you'll be glorified and go to heaven. That includes all of the glories that happen. And they're all based on the promises of one who is living. And we read here in verse 18, so these, un these two unchangeable things, the promises and oath of God, because it is impossible for God to lie, He has now given us strong encouragement who have taken our refuge in Him. Taking our refuge in Jesus. A shelter, a refuge, a castle, a strong tower. Refuge. Why do you go to the Lord? Why have, we, why have we fled for refuge to Jesus Christ? Well, we must be saved from we must be saved from the world. We must be saved from the sinfulness and ungodliness of this age. The, we, must, we must be protected and saved from the attacker, the adversary, the evil one. We must be saved. We take refuge in our trials and difficulties. And the worrisome troubles of life, we have a refuge, we have a place, we have a strong tower. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our Lord and He is alive. I go, listen now, I go, this is my testimony to you. I have lived my life as a follower of Jesus, going to the living Lord Jesus as a refuge. He has helped me. He has listened to me. He has guided me. He has walked with me. He has never left me. I have taken refuge. I have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are here today and to think about Jesus Christ as a concept or an idea or a philosophy or somehow you think that we are here worshiping someone who is still dead, who maybe was just a prophet, what a sad, sad way to live. I promise you this, if you come into a living relationship with Jesus Christ, you will discover that He truly is alive because He speaks with you, walks with you. He relates to you in day-to-day -day life. It's no different than you would have with some of your relatives and friends who have moved away. They've moved away, but they're very much alive today. You're not able to spend time with them uh, in person right now, but you know they're alive and you're assured of that. You see, when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the first discovery you make is you believe in the living Lord Jesus Christ. He was dead and He rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven with His body, glorified body, recognized body. And He is there in heaven today as our great high priest king. And one day He will bodily return to this world. He is alive today. I do not understand the grandeur and glory and mystery of the Lord Jesus Christ being fully alive with His earthly body, with all of its scars and yet being fully God, fully man, in flesh, in a glorious place. But that is the promise of God's Word. I live with the living Lord Jesus Christ in a personal, real relationship with Him. And that's where my anchor of hope is set. That's the second thing we see in verse 19. This hope 
This hope in Jesus Christ that I've just tried to describe to you. This hope that we have is an anchor of the soul. We need an anchor. Now let's switch, let's switch uh, analogies. We're talking about a boat. No boat. You don't want to go out in a boat without an anchor. Every boat's anchor is critically important. You want to make sure that the anchor is secured to the boat. You want to make sure that you understand and appreciate the importance of an anchor and boating. Because when the storms come, when, there's the, when, when, the, when, when it's difficult, sometimes the ship has to drop the anchor. And the anchor holds on firm ground. We read here that our hope in Jesus Christ, our hope in God is an anchor for your soul. You know why? If you're like me, you're up one day, you're down another. You see, this is our soul, our emotions. One day we're happy, one day we're sad. One day we like, life is good, one day life is miserable and lemonade. We, we're happy in some of our circumstances, but then it seems that everything crushes down on us. Sometimes we're in despair, sometimes we have great happiness. Our souls... Our mind, our will, our emotions. We want it today, then we don't want it the next day. You see, our soul needs an anchor. And the anchor that we have in our spiritual life is, is that which comes from our hope in the living Lord Jesus Christ. My hope is firm today. This is my testimony to you. I don't know what will happen to me the rest of today or the rest of my life however long or short it will be. My hope in God is firm and secure like an anchor because it is, my hope is set on the Lord Jesus Christ who is alive in heaven. And because of that, I am secure. When all of this mess around us keeps stirring us up. You know, there'll always be a storm in the world, my friend. There'll always be trouble in your soul. You're always going to have seasons of time when you feel that you're walking with God and closer to Him than you've ever been. And it seems like the next day, God is so far away and you don't know what to do in your relationship. You must have the anchor of hope in your soul. This is why this is so vital for your spiritual life and mine. An anchor, you see, it keeps me, it holds me secure because my anchor is set in heaven that's what we read here. Verse number 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope sure and steadfast, one that enters into the veil. What's he talking about? The veil is the presence of God. The presence, is the, the presence of God is this veil, similar to the old temple, the holy place, and then the, within the veil where the high priest only would go into the glorious presence of God. The Lord Jesus has now, verse number 20, he has now entered as our forerunner ahead of us. We're going there soon. We're following our leader to heaven. But now he has entered that holy, glorious place for us. Listen, alive. I, don't, I do not believe that this generation of the church, and I'm going to come back to it in the days ahead in my preaching, Lord willing, if I have the days given to me. And I'm going to talk to you more about something that is such a sweet and precious truth, but almost ununderstood and frankly forgotten by many. I'm going to talk to you in some detail in the days ahead about 
the Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest. The book of Hebrews is filled with these truths. Because we read now in verse number 20 that, my, that, that our hope, our hope is in Jesus Christ who is alive in heaven, who has become, please notice in verse 20, he has become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You see, my anchor in Jesus Christ being alive keeps me from drifting away. You know, in these days in which we live, it's been easy for people to drift away. It's been easy for other priorities to get in the way of walking with God. I'm amazed by some who've told me, well, you know, I, I've spent all these days alone and I'm so in despair. The sadness of that is, the sadness of that is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you do not know how to use your times of being alone to realize that you're not alone and how to be with the Lord in those times and to be in His Word and to pray and to seek God, what a sad thing you have missed a great opportunity to grow in your spiritual life. Aloneness is never aloneness for the follower of Jesus. My living Lord Jesus Christ, my great high priest, has placed within me the Holy Spirit of God, and I have yearnings and desire to speak with Him. He is my high priest. He has now entered ahead of me as my high priest. If you just look across the page, maybe your Bible's like mine. In Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse number 14, Therefore, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, by the way, with his body, with his glorified body, with its scars. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. I'm going to confess Jesus Christ in a world filled with hatred and reject of Jesus Christ, the anti-Christian ideas of this world. I will confess to the end of my days because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, ascended to heaven. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. Listen, this is for you. This is for you in your hope. This is for you in your times of despair and discouragement. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. Read it the other way. We have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. Anybody here weak? Yes, I am. There's not a day that goes by I don't come to the high priest, the Lord Jesus, and say, Help me. Help me. Help me today. Help me today. Help me, Lord Jesus. Help me. And you are the same. We pray out of our weakness, but the one who has been tempted in all ways like we are and yet without sin. What is, what is this famous verse in chapter 4, verse 16? It's for you today, my friend. Therefore, draw near. Draw near with confidence. See, that's what hope brings. My hope is the anchor in heaven because the Lord Jesus is there. My hope is focused on the living Lord Jesus who hears me. Draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that you might receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. That's why He is my living high priest. I can speak to Him. I can bring to Him my needs. I can beg for mercy. 
I can receive mercy. I can ask for help with need. I stand before you as one just like you. I follow the Lord Jesus Christ, but I have experienced the answer a prayer from our high priest. He has responded. Oh, he responds in ways beyond my own imagination. He answers my prayers far beyond what I can ask. But as I pray, as I stand on those gospel promises, as I speak with my living Lord, my great high priest, I am blessed and I experience help in time of need. Help in time of need until the end, until the end, as long as I am hoping, as long as I am trusting in the hope that is set before me, because my hope that's set before me is focused on the living person of Jesus Christ. This is the way we talk to people in the world. We talk to them about our living relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we remember today from these words, my dear friends? Well, I've repeatedly said it, but I do want to drive these few things home to you as we finish today. And I hope you'll hear my heart as I share them. The saddest thing in the world is for someone to say that they are saved, but they never live as if Jesus is alive. That's one of the saddest things. If I really believe Jesus is alive, it's going to change what I think about. It's going to change what I live. It's going to change my priorities. Because if the Lord's alive, He's already given me some directions as a Christian on what I'm supposed to be doing. And when I'm not doing them, I'm in disobedience to my living Lord. Not, not, to, not to these philosophies. You see, the sad thing about dead religions is they're based on principles from dead people. What we believe and what we receive are the living promises of the living Lord based on His own life. He's sealed with His own life as we come to the table of the Lord today. We'll be reminded His death sealed for us, secured for us eternal salvation through His name. Jesus is alive today and He is your high priest. Did you know you had a priest? Did you know you have an eternal priest? Did you know you have a priest who understands exactly what it's like, like what you're going through? You see, when you draw near in prayer and you get before the Lord, He already knows what's in your heart. He already knows how you feel right now. He knows how you feel. You say, nobody can know how I feel. Oh, there is one who knows how you feel. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, your high priest. Go to the one who already knows. Go to the one who already knows and speak to him deeply from your heart about what you need. For some of you today, if you would go home today and put this as your priority in your misery, if you would do this rather than the other things you choose to do today, you would find such joy and hope would come back to your life. Or if you're not saved, you go to the Lord Jesus Christ and you confess him and believe in him so that you might be saved and have hope. Because Jesus Christ lives today there is hope for every day. And I don't say that to you frivolously. I don't say that to you lightly. I've done what I do long enough as a pastor to know that every day brings a, a great and significant amount of misery and sadness and trials to God's people. And for some of you, it's very hard right now. It might get harder. But if it gets harder, 
If it gets harder, because the Lord Jesus Christ is alive today as our high priest, there's hope for every day. That's why my anchor, my anchor of hope is set in heaven where he is. Hope in Jesus Christ. He is your high priest. It produces confident encouragement. Why? I've, I've quoted to you before, perhaps I will again. Why were the martyrs of the early church, why are the martyrs of today, as we get the reports, so confident and encouraged when they go to their death? Because they're not going to die, as one said to his friend going to the stake. The Scottish Covenanter said, Rejoice, today is our wedding day. Do you have that kind of confidence? It seems that the Christian church seems to be so shriveled up and miserable and whiny and moany and cry and humped over and bent down as if we have no power. What in the world? We serve a risen Savior. We follow the living Lord Jesus who has given us command to do our work. It's that we get up and be about what He's called us to do and speak to our Blessed, loving high priest, regardless of our circumstances. And we keep talking to him and asking for help and mercy until we leave this earth. Hopefulness grows as we are aware of his living presence in heaven and in us by the Holy Spirit. How do I use these things in my life? Well, I must put my trust in the Lord Jesus and I must rest in the living Lord and I must go to the living Lord in prayer. My friend, I appeal to you. I appeal to you today. Go home and do some real serious thought about your spiritual life today. Go home and do some serious thought. Do I really believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Number one. Do I believe that He is alive today? We quote it all the time. If you will confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as Lord, listen, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. That means He's alive. That you believe in your heart that He is alive. You shall be saved. Those who are saved are those who believe that Jesus Christ is alive today.